And they're like, yeah, yeah, he died in June. <laughs> and so I said, okay, this sounds crazy. I'm like, I saw him yesterday up there where he's always at. And she's like, and she just kind of shook her head and was like, yeah, you're, you're not the only one. Like a lot of people have seen him since that happened. You are listening to Terra Signals, presented by Normal Paranormal. I am your host, Justin Banforth. In 2021, I had the opportunity to speak with TJ Miller and Mike Brown. They have been friends for decades and have experienced several strange events. Now, one of which was witnessed firsthand by TJ and several others at the Pennsylvania Renaissance Fair in 2008. When I first heard about this story, I was stunned and I had to learn more. So I arranged for TJ to officially go on the record and retell his story, hoping that it would encourage others who may have had similar experiences to do the same. Now here's the actual interview I conducted with both TJ and Mike, and I think you'll find it rather fascinating. Uh, The first time that I heard about this case, it was on Mike Brown's podcast, The Bunker, which is an excellent podcast, which you've been a co-host in and uh I, have. I, I, I like to think of myself as like the skeptic on the show <laughs> <laughs> that's good now it, it is a uh, tj miller that we're yes speaking with here mm-hmm. um and in that episode um tj you uh referenced a um a very strange experience at the mm-hmm. renaissance fair that you work at yes um first off let me ask you how did you how does one get involved with renaissance fair first how do you get involved with Renaissance Fair? Well, um, for us, I think what happened was uh, Mike and I, our friend Seth, our friend uh, Jay, who else was involved in the whole crew? We used to, we, we had a year where we just, we discovered Renaissance Fairs. We played Dungeons and Dragons our whole lives. Yeah. And I think we probably saw Braveheart shortly before that. Yes. Yes. So sure. we sure. went to the Ren Fair all year, like every weekend, dressed up as Scottish dudes. It was a safe place for us to pretend to be Scottish and like eat turkey legs. So the way I got involved with the Renaissance Fair is the following year, I didn't want to pay to get in. So I auditioned for the cast, me and uh, Jay, our buddy Jay. And we got in. Um, I had no plans to be an actor or a director or anything like that. Um, But we got in. I thought I was going to get to be a Scottish dude. Turns out they made me an Irish guy that year. Um, And that was kind of the that was kind of it for me. And then I was in the volunteer cast at Pennsylvania for two years. And then the third year I got into the professional acting company. Um, I'd never had any formal acting training, but that was how we got into it was pretty much by accident. Uh, and I've been there ever since I own the New Jersey Renaissance fair now. So I spent two years in the volunteer company, two years in professional acting company. And then I was, um, actually it was more than that because then I started, I was also, uh, directing, I played like Francis Drake for three years. In 2005, I was the lead of the show. It was like Francis Drake versus Grace O'Malley. And then I would moved into like a director role after that. And then I, uh, I opened a Renaissance Fair in 2010, I believe, with my buddy John Williams, who I met out there and some other people. So it was, it was really an accident. I just fell in love with it. I love, uh, I love interactive theater. I love the way that... Um, you know, we're actually out interacting in an improvisational way with our fans. So it's not like when you're on the screen or you're on the stage where there's that separation. Um, you actually have to develop your character and interact as that character. It's a, it's a really cool uh, exercise. That's so for great. me, it was really by ex- accident and, you know, just oh, wow. kind of fell into it. So you have quite a history then involved with the, the community. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, you uh, can say that. And that's, that's really cool. Well, how do you, I mean, when you, when you connect with these other, um, these other actors, mm-hmm. like, does it become like a lifelong friendship? I mean, for the most part where like you, mm-hmm. you bring them to all the other fairs and what, what I don't you? know if I'd say it's a lifelong friendship, but it is a really intense, I, one of the things, um, I'm a, I'm a philosophy guy myself and we sort of have these stages in our lives. I feel like, you know, you got like your high school friends who are your real core group i think it's really weird actually that uh mike and i it's one of the rare things like we've been friends since high school and our buddy seth 
And I don't think that happens a ton. You know, you kind of move through these different phases of your life and then, you know, you have your college people and then you get your job. And while you're there, you feel like you're going to be in touch with those people forever, but it doesn't ever usually happen. The bonding experience that happens in a Renaissance Fair cast is in, is intense. It's awesome because you're, you're working so closely with those people for such a long period of time. And you feel like you're going to stay connected to them forever because it's, you know, it's super intense, but then, you know, you don't. And every year it's a new group of people who you're really intensely connected with. So uh, there are people from the Ren Fair, uh, John Williams, who I mentioned, I met him early on in my career and now we own a fair together. We do a, a comedy sword fighting show called the Lords of Adventure, where we travel around the country and, you know, do comedy sword fighting. Um, but there's a ton of people who I was super close with at the fair who I don't talk to, you know, regularly anymore. So, yeah. Now, um, this particular experience, did this happen mm -hmm. in Lancaster, Pennsylvania? Yeah, this happened at the Renaissance Fair, yes. Gotcha. During the day when the fair was open gotcha. is when it happened. Yeah. So, um, you know, just to kind of set the stage, you had been working at the, the Renaissance Fair there for mm -hmm. how, how long at this point? Uh, what did we say here he died? 2008? 2008, yeah. Yeah, so... That would have been that would probably been the 2008 season. So I was there for uh, 10, 11 years at that point. There were a couple of years I wasn't there, but I started 11 years before that. And this gentleman um, who we're speaking about, uh, John John Fisher. Um, yes, sir. He how long had he been involved with this particular Renaissance Fair? He was there as long as I could remember. He sold uh, anoles, which they called baby dragons. And he would always be standing. When you come in the gate at the Pennsylvania Renaissance Fair, if you make a right, you go down the hill, straight down the hill. If you make a right before you go down that hill, you can go down another hill that's parallel to that hill, which I think is called Guildsman's Way. And he would stand at the top of Guildsman's Way with all these anoles all over him. And he would just point people in the direction of where uh, you could buy them down the hill. So as long as I can remember, he was always there every day at the top of the hill with his dragons all over him, you know, just smiling at people going by. Um, yeah. I never really, my interaction with him was always the same thing. I, when I was playing Francis Drake, because Francis Drake was known to the Spanish as the dragon, you know, Drake is the dragon. So I would walk by him as Francis Drake and say, Oh, look at that baby dragons. I, they call me the dragon. You should get a baby dragon. <laughs> and he would just kind of smile and nod because I was helping him sell his stuff. And that was the interaction I had with him every day for years. He was always there as a fixture at the top of the hill. So I can't tell you exactly when he started, but as long as I can remember, he was, you know, a, fe a feature of that spot at the Renaissance Fair. Gotcha. And um, how, how were you formally introduced to, uh, to John? I mean, did you just, were you introduced by other people or? Did you I just... was never introduced to him. I don't think I ever had a conversation with him. I saw him, the, the interaction I just told you is how I knew him. We interacted on the street together. Um, I didn't know his name until, uh, until I asked, uh, when we started talking about doing this episode on, there's a, uh, there's a Facebook group on, uh, that is for the, uh, people who are, it's called parenfair.net and it's a bunch of people who work at Pennsylvania Renaissance Fair. So I honestly did not know for sure what his name was until I posted there and asked people if they remember him and if they had these experiences. Cause I heard a lot of people had very similar experiences to what I did. All right. Let's get into your experience. What, mm -hmm. what took place? So I was involved in a singing group called the bully boys. And every day we would meet at the gazebo, which is the top of the hill, right? When you come in the gate of the fair and we would sing with, uh, a female singing group who I can't remember the, quite what their name was. Um, but we would always sing with them during the day. So this was Sunday. The experience happened on Saturday. So Saturday, I walked by John. I had the same exact interaction with him I've had for years, you know, by a baby dragon. I saw guests, you know, looking, they were standing there, <laughs> right? And uh, I walked over, did our set, walked away. Now, Sunday, I walked past that area. The interaction I had with him that day was exactly the same 
-hmm. and as clear as I'm looking at Mike right now. So let me with just, him. Okay, let me just ask for clarification. So when yeah. you say Sunday, this is in June. No, was, this okay. is the fair runs August through uh, October. So August sometime August. during the run of the fair. This okay. is a Saturday. I saw John. Uh, you know, hey, buy some baby dragons. Same interaction. Smiled at me. Saw some people there, regular patrons, walked over, did my set. The next day on Sunday, this is what allowed me to know if this Sunday thing didn't happen, I would have no idea anything was weird. <laughs> okay. So Sunday, I walk past that spot and there's a picture of John on the tree. Right. So I walk over to the place where I'm singing with the girls and the guys. And I asked uh, one of the girls, I said, What? Why is, a, why is that guy's picture on the tree? And she goes, Oh, he died. And I said, what? I'm like, oh my God, what happened? You know, like, holy cow. She's like, yeah, he had a long time thing with, you know, whatever the chronic condition he was, he had. Yeah, he had a long time, long time thing with that and he died. And I'm like, oh my God, are they okay? Or, well, yeah, I mean, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm like, what, when, when did this happen? And she said, you know, oh, June, <laughs> right now, bear in mind, it's August to October right now. And so I thought she was, I'm like, no, no, he didn't. I just saw him yesterday right there right oh we see him and she goes no dude he died in june and i'm like no he didn't like stop so i went down the hill to where the booth was that he worked and i asked them about it i said hey I, this is a weird question did did the guy who sells the dragons up the hill did he did he die and I'm like yeah yeah he had a long term he had a long time you know battle with i think it was cancer or whatever and i'm like Ugh. and they're like yeah yeah he died in june <laughs> and so i said okay, this sounds crazy. I'm like, I saw him yesterday up there where he's always at. And she's like, and she just kind of shook her head and was like, yeah, you're, you're not the only one. Like a lot of people have seen him since that happened. So that was what happened to me. And as I said before, um, I don't know if this was when it was recording, but like, you know, I've been on the bunker podcast with Mike and I consider myself very skeptical about a lot of things. Mike and I lived in a haunted house for years and nothing convinced me or whatever you know like there's like these footprints in the at footsteps in the attic which to me i'm like something like that i'm like you know that could be the house settling that could be some wind that could be a, a raccoon um this is what i have i saw him as clear as i see mike sitting here so yeah that was my that was the weirdest that's the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me along these lines of things so that was Saturday. You said that you saw him. Yeah. And, and then Sunday was when they told me that he had died. And then that's when I went down and had the conversation with the people at the booth. Gotcha. Saturday, I had no idea anything happened. I just saw him and walked by. Like I said, if Sunday didn't happen, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now because I probably wouldn't have known he died to this day. You know, it was just, it was the same interaction I always had with him. There was nothing strange about it. Right. You know? um, but you said that you saw that picture on the tree on Sunday, mm -hmm. right? Yes. And that is what prompted you to then ask what, what's going on here. Do you recall ever seeing him on other random days, just, you know, before or, or before that particular Saturday, like between the, the day that he died, which was June 8th mm -hmm. and that day in, in August, presumably that you saw him. Yeah. It could have been any time in the fair run. It could have been August, September, October, you know? So. Okay. Do you, do you recall ever seeing like I, him just a couple of days before that Saturday or no, I didn't. I, I can't tell you. I don't know. It was, okay. it was that long ago and it wouldn't have surprised me if I did, because like, I just, he was just a fixture. Gotcha. You know, it would have been no more strange for me to see him than it would be to see the glass blowing booth, which is right there, you know? <clears throat> right. Um, so now, now after yeah, I can't you, tell you. Okay. Now, after you had this experience, mm -hmm. wh what do you make of it at that, at that particular time? Are you thinking you were losing your mind? Did you, uh, I mean, did you actually see it go like what was going through your mind especially <laughs> right, as a so, person <laughs> well and again like okay when i say i'm skeptical it's not that i don't think that these things don't happen it's just that i think most of the time they don't happen most of the times when people tell you they happen i don't think they happen mm -hmm. so i'm not a non-believer i think there are i i believe there are ghosts and such i just think most of the times when people talk about it they're full of full of garbage <laughs> right so so and i i still like as i say you know, skeptically, like, I believe I saw him there, <laughs> you know, and it was, 
the night, the Sunday night that I found out about this, you know, I was telling some friends about it. And so uh, after hours at the Pennsylvania Renaissance Fair, um, they have uh, drinks and food and stuff. So a lot of people kind of hang out. So my friends, uh, Jen and Amber and I, they're like, well, we got to go over there. We got to go over there. So we went to the spot. And I think for me, we went over there at night and we're hanging out, you know, looking for him. And I realized that night while we were out there, that's not the time he's going to be there, right? Because the time that he haunted that spot in life was when the fair was open and people were walking around, you know? And at that point too, where we knew he was dead, we weren't going to see him anyway. I think the thing that allowed me to see him was the fact that I didn't know he was a dead guy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 No, that, that makes sense. Um, <clears throat> when you had this experience though, you know, did other people, you said that, um, you went to this, you know, discussion area or this, this mm -hmm. forum, and you started asking if other people had similar experiences. Right. Uh, tell me a little bit about that, like how that came to be. Well, I knew um, my friend Sherry, who you had the recording of, um, who I talked to, I knew she had seen him because we were, we had talked about it uh, in the weeks that, that followed. And that was sort of where her interaction with him and I won't say much about it because, you know, we have the recording of like what she said or whatever was the same interaction she always had with him. Because as I understand from her, every morning he would come by and ask her how her husband was doing because he was out in, a, I think she's in New Mexico or something. And she had that experience with him where, you know, he came by in the morning and was like, you know, how's your husband and all this kind of stuff. And that's what it sort of seemed to be is people kind of just sort of, we all saw him before we knew he was dead you know, which I think allowed us to be in a, in a frame of mind where we could experience it, you know, and the interaction I had with him, as I told you, is the same interaction I always had with him, you know, it was expected, it was nothing strange about it to me, um, until after I knew, so she was, Sherry was the only one I, you know, uh, talked directly to about it. Okay. Yeah. When you time. When you talk to Sherry about this, um, were you aware that she had the same experience when you relayed your experience? No, no, I did. I was not. So I don't so know how the conversation started. I, I used to talk to her quite a bit. We were pretty good friends. So I would talk mm -hmm. to her going by. And when I told her, she said, yeah, yeah. You know, and then that's when she told me about, about her experience too. I didn't go to her as someone, you know, who I thought had the same experience as me. I was just telling her as a friend you know yeah and then when you when you hear her uh telling this essentially this, a very similar if not you know identical type of experience uh, again what goes through your mind at that point are you like okay there's something to this now i'm, I'm not going out of my mind i'm not going crazy no and i wasn't i never thought i was going out of my mind i just thought i saw it. okay you know as i said I, i'll be skeptical if you tell me you see some orbs or, you know, there's like a wind in my house, that's a ghost. I'll be like, yeah, okay. But if you, you know, like with this, and again, I think if somebody told me this, mm -hmm. I'd be skeptical about it. But for me having the experience, I just saw the dude, you know, and it makes sense to me that the time that we would see him is the time that he was there anyway. Like, I don't think you'd experience in him. I don't think you would experience him at night when the fair's closed. The time you're going to experience John Fisher is when the fair's open and there's life and there's little kids who are looking for baby Anoles. You know, that's when he was alive in that place, you know, and I think that's that was why that was when we experienced him. For Sherry, it was the time that that he had interaction with her was like, you know, as fair was like coming to life in the morning before they opened, he would walk by to get his coffee or whatever. And that's when they would have conversations. So, you know, it wasn't like I walked out there at night and he was like standing there in like a halo. Right. That would have been weird, but the fact that I saw him with his baby dragons during the fair day, like normal, there was nothing weird about it to me. And also the thing that I recall feeling about it was how, you know, just like how cool it was, you know, like this guy loved this place and he's hanging out, you know, like I never, yeah, that was, that was kind of my reaction. That was the reaction I think that Sherry and I had when we were talking about like how cool it was that he came okay. by to check on us, you know, make sure stuff was cool. So let me ask you this then, TJ, like yeah. when something profound like this happens, not in the typical Hollywood, you know, presentation, if you will, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it does, it still doesn't fit with the human logic, right? It doesn't fit within our worldview. This should not have happened. 
right? I mean, this is something that is essentially impossible and yet Mm -hmm. it did. So when I, when I'm saying like, I guess I'm surprised that you were that cool with it, that you were that calm about it, you know, (laughs) considering that this is like, you know, it's like seeing like a a Tyrannosaurus Rex, you know, out in the, Mm -hmm. in reality, that's impossible. And yet, you know, um, like, how do you, do you find that a little weird that you're so okay with this? I don't know. I mean, (laughs) I feel like, like I said before, like, I think that things happened, like, you know, I'm definitely of the mind of, you know, Shakespeare and that there's more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy, my dear Horatio. Um, So I'm not surprised. And I, we, we just, the podcast that, you know, Mike and I just did talking about, uh, you know, Carlos Castaneda and like the stuff that we used to do, you know, when I was in high school, you know, we, we experienced, uh, we experienced some weird stuff, you know, so it's, I don't know. I wasn't, I was never surprised by it. Okay. So you were no stranger to this strange world if you right again okay. i think when i say i'm skeptical mm-hmm. i'm mainly skeptical because i think i think people want to see stuff a lot right so again it's not that i don't believe that these things don't happen i just think that they're more rare you know yeah and i would be skeptical if you told me that you saw this guy mm-hmm. as not having been there and just having to take your word for it i would be skeptical people listening now should be skeptical they weren't there to see it you know but for me it's very real i actually experienced the dude and yeah. i can't it's not a sound or a rustling or the shadow i saw and had an interaction with this guy <laughs> you know yeah so to me i experienced his his spirit and i think just to interject for a second like having been in a paranormal investigator been out in the field and you know went into people's homes who believe they have activity you're absolutely right that probably about 70 to 80% of the time, whether or not there's legitimate activity in someone's home, like most of the stuff that people point out is quote unquote paranormal right. is just normal stuff that they're ascribing to that phenomenon mm-hmm. because that's where their head's at. Yeah. And like, they are legitimately probably at some point here or there experiencing re- like maybe they did see a shadow walk mm-hmm. past the door. Maybe the door did open or something flew off a shelf and right. that stuff happens. But because those things happen doesn't necessarily mean that, oh, when I shut this door and a suction from the draft opens this other door, that doesn't mean that that's also paranormal. Right, right. So I think that's kind of, you're a healthy skeptic in that way. And and me too, make no mistake. In some ways, like, uh, what's his brain from uh, X-Files? Mulder. Yeah, like I want, I want to believe, like I want to see proof. And that's why I think, I think my main reaction really when I think about, about, about this experience was like, this is cool. I saw a dead guy, you know, that means something happens, (laughs) you know, it was, that was to me verification, you know, whereas, you know, some things you hear about when people do like ghost investigating, I'm like, okay, maybe. Right. But this for me, I saw him. Right. So it's like, dude, you know, and I, you know, I say, I don't know what to make of it. I, I believe I saw him after he died, you know, which is cool. You know, he wasn't yeah. trying to attack me. He was just cool with me. At the same, he gave me the smile. He gave me the nod. He was happy. I was still trying to help him sell his dragons in the afterlife. You know, it was, <laughs> it was awesome. It was a great experience. And I think it was like that for everybody who experienced him, you know? Now, when you had your interaction with this man, mm-hmm. how long was the, the experience? Would you say a couple minutes? No, no. I, I would do a walk by. It was literally, I'm walking up the hill. I'd see him, I'd get close enough for the people standing there to see me and be able to hear me. And I would say, oh, baby dragons, those are awesome. I'm Francis Drake. They call me the dragon. You guys should buy a dragon. He would smile and nod, I would walk off. That was, that's probably about exactly how long it was. Because like I said, we had the same interaction every time I'd go by with him. And it was a walk by interaction for me. I'd give him a nod and a wink, you know, never asked him for a commission. For his baby dragons, but that was that was about exactly how long it was. I never, I never, like I said, I never stayed and like hung out and talked with him. It was always just like a quick thing, you know, quick nod to him, um, sort of situation. So you saw the items that he was selling, yes, him, right? Yeah, they were, yeah, they were anoles, living right. lizards, 
that were all over him. The reason I bring that up is because in Sherry's testimony, she said the same thing, if I recall. Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. So at this point, it's not just John who is coming through, but it's also the lizards who, for all we know, we don't know what happened with those lizards. We don't know if those lizards are still alive in our physical plane or at that time, right? Or if they also had, you know, passed on. Well, I'm sure there were uh, plenty of lizards that he had sold that are no longer with us at the time of his appearance because they're not a, they're like goldfish kind of. Okay. They're not a long-term pet, if you know what I mean. It's a little sad. They live a couple of years. That's yeah. It. And he'd been doing that for years. So I'm sure I, at the end of the day, he would take his lizards back to the shop and that's where the lizards would go. Okay. But I'm sure that a lot of the lizards that he had carried around were no longer, unfortunately, with us by the time John passed right. on. <clears throat> so the reason I bring that up is, again, it's, it's one of those subtle, very small details, right? That would mm-hmm. be overlooked in the grand story that we have here, right? Right. Because we're so fixated on john fisher and his appearance but yet somehow he was also able to bring those lizards into this reality um that's interesting because you know again mike when you when we're looking at this from like paranormal paranormal perspective right and you have like the the airport phenomenon where physical objects just uh, suddenly manifest would this be, uh, you know, an aspect of that in a sense? Makes you wonder if, uh, if, if he did quote unquote bring those with him or is, is just, was in this context, John Fisher, a manifestation of the collective consciousness of the fair. Right. Because like you said, and you've mentioned this many times when telling the story that you didn't realize he was dead. And everyone that interacted with him that saw him as if he was still there did not realize yeah. that, that he had passed on. And so was this, you know, did, was it simply the lizards there because that's how he appeared right. every other time. And so everyone's sort of collective consciousness manifested that because you expect him to be there mm-hmm. because that's where he always was. Like you said, every day, year yeah. in, year out, that's where he always was. Yeah. And everyone else had the same interactions with him they always had there was nothing that 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 really stood out it's interesting with sherry because i think normally when sherry would see him in the morning he would not have that like if i would have seen him without the lizards that might have been that would have been weird yeah because he always had them crawling (laughs) all over him because that's what he's doing he was selling them that might have made me i don't know that i would have stopped or whatever but it was that might have been like some kind of red flag that the interesting thing about what you're saying i think what you're saying mike makes total sense for you know me and other people but it's weird with the sherry thing because he wouldn't be carrying his lizards up to go get coffee in the morning you know when he talked to her so that's that's kind of a fascinating thing about the whole lizard aspect which i never thought of before to me it makes total sense that he had the lizard when i saw him because that's how i knew him i never saw him without lizards on him Mm. right yeah yeah that is Really interesting, and uh, glad that you brought that up, Mike, because that kind of is a good segue into the fact that it wasn't just TJ, it wasn't just Sherry, there were other people involved here. Uh, we have the written testimony from uh, Shauna, who she had uh, emailed us her testimony, um, you know, and she said, Hey, TJ, that's an experience I will never forget. I don't remember what year it was. But it was when I was still working for Sherry before I bought the shop. So it would have been 2009 or 2010. Um, obviously, this, this would have happened in 2008 when he passed away. So perhaps her year was you know, a little bit uh, skewed here, her recollection right. of the year. Um, but she goes on and uh, Shauna says, I saw, quote, I saw him and spoke with him during Celtic fling at the top of the hill, only to find out that he passed. Then I remember talking to you. And you saw him too. I believe Sherry spoke with him also that weekend. And then there's a little note here. Um, she said, the weird thing was that he was such a quiet man, but that day he was so friendly and talkative. Mm. Yeah. Again, there's a little inconsistency there with the quote unquote normal interaction. I mean, it was kind of. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing too. She's talking about Celtic fling. 
Celtic Fling is either like May or June. So it could have well been 2009 for her for that. Oh, if, that really? if her recollection is correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Celtic Fling is before fair. Okay. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. So I don't know if that was after the year. And, and honestly, yeah, I can't imagine they would have had the picture on the tree in 2009, the following year. Like my thing had to be 2008. I so would that's so, when they'd have the memorial up. So wait a second. So if she is is accurate in saying that she saw him and spoke with him during this Celtic fling, yeah. it would have been 2009. I would say it'd have to be because I think Celtic fling. Okay. Unless I, I don't know what my, you'd have to check the dates on Celtic fling because Celtic okay. fling could have been before Celtic fling might be in June. It might've been 2008 right after he died. Okay. Um, but it could have been 2009. I, I'm not sure exactly when fling is. I think it's May or June, something like that. Yeah. Um, Mike, see if you can look that up, um, you know, while we're doing this interview here, because I, if. And here's if, the thing yeah. too, if you're talking about when I saw him, then it would almost have to be the following year, Celtic fling. Cause if she had that conversation with Sherry about me and all that stuff, because I would not have seen him because I wasn't there for Celtic. I definitely saw him during regular Renaissance Fair, which would have been August, mm -hmm. September, October. So Fling would, the following Fling would be after that in 2009. Mm -hmm. Time frame wise. Right. So because if that is true or accurate rather, and this Celtic Fling took place in 2009 and she is seeing him almost a full year later, that is profound right there i mean that, okay. that who, okay so this year huh? this year uh 2021 the celtic fling was june 26th and 27th right so my only thing is if she does if she is accurate about having heard about me and then sherry i feel like it almost have to be the following celtic fling because she wouldn't have heard about that at that celtic fling i haven't had the experience yet mine wasn't until the fall of 2008 yeah so that is incredible um no, it, it is really it is it is the most it's the most incredible incredible thing <laughs> it's actually funny because it's the most it's one of the most mundane just walking by experiences i've ever had but it's also probably the craziest most profound thing i've ever experienced as far as this stuff goes you know mm -hmm. mike and i uh <laughs> near our house in New Egypt, we, we both heard this sort of like wind thing, which was crazy too. Um, but nothing like this, even with that, you know, I, I, I can find other explanations that are possible with this one. Like I said, as clearly as Mike is sitting in front of me right now, I saw, you know, this guy, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, that, this is this is just such a remarkable story. Uh, beyond you, Shauna, Sherry, were there anybody else involved that you had come? As across? I understand it, that's why I put the the post up because when I went to the booth, it sounded like from what they were saying that just a lot of people around were seeing him, you know, and everybody was seeing him before they knew he was dead. Um, the only one I could get a statement from were were Sherry and uh, Shauna, but as I understood, and I can keep looking, but um, those were the two who said stuff, but as I understood it from then, it, it was a lot of people, you know, and from I think I, I kind of vaguely remember certain people around there who I have no idea at this point in time, who was, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, jumping on. Huh. I, I mean, that's, I, I, I'm curious to see if like how long the sightings persisted, you know, um, obviously there's, there's this common thread, right? People were seeing him not aware that he had passed on mm -hmm. um yeah that's just that's it's so profound i mean this is what, what do you make of this mike i mean you you brought up the whole collective consciousness thing yeah and i, and I, I don't necessarily mean that to say to discount it to say that like that he wasn't there because i i i, I could i could sit here and speculate all day um Again, I wasn't there, but I could come up with a, a bunch of different scenarios. Like everyone's expectations of him being there is what sort of manifested him there. Yeah. Or is it the fact that, you know, like you said, and everyone said that like 
he was a fixer in that place. I remember going there with my daughters and like walking up to him and he had the lizards crawling all over. And we thought mm-hmm. it was so cool. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and bought a lizard and brought it home. Um, and he, I mean, he was there year in and year out for decades, maybe. Yeah. I mean, how long was the guy there? I mean, all the time he, he lived and breathed that place. And, and so having again been on, you know, a lot of cases and hauntings of legitimate people that are terrified of what's going on in their home. I've seen, I've seen a lot of crazy stuff. I've seen not, I don't think I have seen anything as clear as a person sitting in front of me, but I've seen every illuminated thing right. and shadow and apparition and trick. I've seen all that stuff. I have never seen anything that crazy. It was so real that you just, it was just a person. And again, I don't, I don't think it's the collective consciousness. I, I don't mean that to say, or the fact that I don't think I could have seen him if I knew he was dead. Right. And I don't mean that to mean he wasn't there. Right. I just mean, we have kind of a shared idea. Like when you were talking before, Justin, about like, this isn't supposed to happen. Right. We sort of have that rational thing built into us. So the fact that we didn't know he was dead allowed our rational minds to not get in the way. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, knowing that he was dead at that point, I kind of said that to him, like, I'm not going to see him again, you know, because now that I know he's dead, now all of a sudden, it's like into like high strangeness stuff, right? But the fact that I didn't know he could come up and say hi and my rational beliefs that and knowledge that he was dead didn't get in the way of that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is, it's, it, oh man, there's so many different angles, like so many different, like- <laughs> Yeah, it's a crazy can... experience. Like, and that's what I mean, yeah. you know, I believe that it definitely happened. I believe I saw the guy, but yeah. I don't know what, I don't know what to make of it exactly. There's all kinds of levels and- you know, most hauntings happen when there's not a bunch of people around. Right. So the fact that he's showing up during a fair day when there's 10,000 people on yeah. the fairgrounds, you know, is, and maybe that happens way more than we think because yeah, exactly. It, most of the time you would have no idea the dude sitting next to you on the subways, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know what, it goes, you know, it'd be really interesting is if, you know, obviously people are taking photos right during the event. I yeah. wonder if he showed up in any of those photos. I don't know, that would be awesome. Fair. Do, yeah. do you think do you think there's like a like an archive somewhere or like a gallery out there of that particular year's Renaissance Fair that we could just well, the photos? That's what I'm saying. You've got a big community. Okay. And uh there's a big community. And a Renaissance Fair is also a place that people love to take pictures. There's yeah. usually like five or six professional photographers walking around who what they do is take pictures of the Renaissance Fairs. Yeah. Right. So trying to get pictures from like 2008, seeing if anybody has pictures from 2008 at that spot yeah. would be the way to go you yeah. want it and actually the guy who moderates the site i was talking about he is a photographer for the fair so interesting yeah yeah i think that would be one of the next steps that we should take right just to just to see because you you, know, you never know right or yeah. what if there's something else unusual you know and not a full-bodied apparition mm-hmm. but what if there's something else um, you know, like one of the lizards or something, you know, it's not supposed to be, I don't know. It's just, you know, hypothetically. Yeah, that'd be awesome. If there's a lizard in the bed, oh, holy cow. It'd be, <laughs> it'd be so cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, or, I mean, it's just, and who knows, like people taking their own photos, again, they, they have no knowledge of this man, right? And then what if he's showing up in their photos just in the background or something? Yeah. Or, or what if he's not? You know, I mean, that's, you know, especially like, what if they took, they take a photo on the day that you were there, that you saw them and there's clearly nobody there, you know, I would, I've always kind of wondered about like the, the, cause it was like a, I know it was definitely like a husband and wife and a kid. I can't remember whether it was a boy or girl or whatever. We're standing right there. And I always wonder if they didn't see anything. So I just walked up and said, Oh, baby dragons, you guys should get a baby dragon and then wandered off. Like I always wonder <laughs> If that was their experience of that, like, what is this guy talking about? Hey, mommy, why is the crazy guy talking <laughs> to the street? Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'd have no idea. There'd be no way to find out thousands of people there every day. That, yeah. <laughs> I always, I wonder that years after I'm like, wonder what those people, like if they saw him, because they well, might not have seen him. Hey, that's, look, that's why we're putting this out there. Cause you never know who might come across this, you know, yeah. recording and, and think, oh yeah, I remember that crazy guy was talking about the lizards. <laughs> <laughs> now I know his sweet. name is TJ. Oh my gosh. Um, that'd be awesome. If I had that kind of effect on people, that'd be great if they remember that conversation for 
2008. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as Mike's getting the, uh, the audio prepared, um, you know, did John like act kind of like out of character? You know I mean? You the know, only ones I have are those two okay. that I got. For me, there was no out of character. He was just, he was just doing what he, what he did. Okay. Interesting. All right. I have that audio ready. All right. Let's play it. Hey, TJ, it's Sherry calling uh, from Taos, New Mexico. So I guess I'm just going to leave you a message with the information because I'm not sure that I'll be able to contact you again um, right at the exact time. So basically uh, what happened was um, I had come back to the Renaissance Fair. I didn't know that, um, that he had died. And, um, and so I saw him there at the top of the hill. And all of a sudden, um, we just started talking and I thought he was like a live person because he, he didn't look like a ghost. He looked exactly like he used to look it like. And uh, so what happened was uh, he asked me, oh, is your husband coming to the fair this year? And I said, no, he doesn't like it. And, and, uh, <laughs> and he started laughing and he actually had um, some lizards on him still, the, the baby uh, dragons. He, he had those on him, which was really interesting. And then, um, so it seemed like a normal conversation and that we were just catching up. And then I think it was the next day there was a funeral for him, like some kind of event at the, at the corner there where, where I saw him and I said, who's that for? And they said, for him. And I said, well, when did he die? And they said a couple of weeks ago, even though I just talked to him yesterday. So that was my experience and um, hope this helps you and, and uh, have a great day. Let me know if you have any other questions. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. So there you have it. That's, you know, Sherry's um, testimony there that she had sent you. Uh, she mentioned the, there was a funeral type of event for him and her recollection of, of, of the timing is that, you know, that was a couple of weeks ago from mm -hmm. when she saw him. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you make of this? Did, would that put her time frame, you know, in, in June or? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, she could have been wrong. I, or whatever. I, I, my thought until they told me when the, uh, he actually died was I thought that day they told me he had died in like February from my, you know, <laughs> my uh, imperfect memory of those events you know, mm -hmm. but turns out it was June. So mm -hmm. yeah. What, what was this funeral type of event that she's referring to? Or uh, was that I, the tree thing? I, I don't know. Hmm. I was not there for that. It would be great to kind of like talk with, with Sherry and, uh, and Shauna just to get some more, um, more information on what they experienced, you know, because a lot of times, you know, when, when, when people have such profound um, events occur, again, the, the human mind can't, doesn't want to process it or believe it. So it tends to dismiss it and kind of like bury it, right? Um, or just, eh, okay, it is what it is. And then move on, right? Yeah. Um, because that's the only way the mind can really handle these things that shouldn't be taking place, right? Um, again, for most people. Um, I'm wondering if you had not followed up on, on your own experience, had you not connected with some of these other people and asked them to tell or to talk about their experiences, if we would not be here today talking about this, if we would just have, uh, if this event would have just kind of like just faded in the background. I think it did kind of fade in the background in some ways, you know, um, if I wouldn't have, uh, you know, if I wouldn't have talked to, you know, the girl in the band who told me that he died and then went down and asked at the booth about it again, it didn't, without that context, it would have been just like any other act, interaction I had with him, you know, mm -hmm. in the years before, like it would be no different for me than the time I walked up to him in 
2006 and said the same thing to him every day of the fair. Um, that's just what it seemed like, you know? So the only thing that made it still so that we're talking about it today is the fact that I got the context of the fact that he died before, you mm-hmm. know? And if I think if I had heard years later that he died, I would have just assumed that this interaction I had with him happened before he died. Right. Right. Yeah. I just, I so happened to see the picture. Yeah. And it was the day after, <laughs> you know, I had, I had seen him was the thing that made it. Yeah. You know, that's weird. profound. Yeah, that's weird too, right? The, the very next day, the photograph mm-hmm. is hanging up on the tree. Yeah. You, I, huh? I think that the, the photograph was probably there on Saturday too. I don't know when they put it up, but I was going to ask that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was probably there. I just didn't see it or notice it because I saw him and the just <laughs> you know, standing in front of it. Yeah. People, people standing there. Wow. I mean, imagine I mean, the picture was there all season, probably if he had died in June. I can't imagine yeah. they put it up that weekend. Because that was definitely not, I don't know what weekend it was at the fair. There's 12 or 13 weekends of the fair, but it definitely wasn't the first one because we, you know, we were pretty far into it. And I, the, the, one of the things I remember is, you know, we were pretty comfortable with the, the show that I was talking about, the singing show at that point. We'd been doing it for a while. Um, well, you know. the, the reason I bring up the photograph too is the implications of this. I mean, could it be? That the phenomenon, you know, if we want to call it, refer to it as that, has the ability to mask things from view and make other things visible. Let's say the again, we can only speculate, but let's say the photograph was hanging up on the tree the whole time, but yet for some reason you just didn't notice it. Do you think you would have, you know, in your normal walking through? the normal path going through the, the the area that you would have come across it like just you know naturally um or do you think you really had to look for it to find it i mean i didn't really look for it i just came by but i also know me so i definitely could have missed it you know okay even if he wasn't standing there and have his thing it's definitely possible that i would have walked by the picture many times before i took a notice of the being there like knowing myself yeah you totally could have because like you had (laughs) said before and it's the it's it's sort of the um it's one of the very charming things about the fair is that the the staff and all the characters are in character the entire time and they never break character and so yeah if there's public around you're in character right and you're concentrating on that and your role in interacting with them and yeah pitching you know different stuff like helping the guy sell dragons like that kind of stuff so you're you're in that mindset so yes. it would have been easy to, to sort of miss that yes yeah thank you for helping me out on that but let's let me be clear if you could put a picture up on the door to my apartment <laughs> and i could probably go past it five times before i noticed it was there so i don't know <laughs> how much again i can't imagine they put it up on a saturday night of this random multiple end of the fair week so it was probably definitely there at least saturday yeah right but, you know, my thought would be that the picture would be there, you know, all season as a memorial to the dude if he died in June. So by the time we open in August, they'd probably yeah. have it there. But again, I can't say that the fact that I didn't see it means that it was like masked or whatever. Like, I, I know myself too well to know that, you know, <laughs> this is where the skeptic stuff comes in. Like, we're like do you think? Do you think that it was ma-? I'm like, no, dude, I just, I think I probably get hit in the head too much. <laughs> I would have noticed it. Um, <laughs> there are more observant people. You could probably ask who you could get a better read on that than me. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on the fact that it wasn't there just because I didn't notice it. Hey, that's fine. That's why we you know, <laughs> are asking these questions, right? Um, yeah. I find it interesting how on John's, John Fisher's obituary, uh, there's a mention specifically that about him selling baby dragons. Yeah. Um, so this thing that he was, you know, selling at the Renaissance Fair, this was a big part of his life. Mm-hmm. That's to me one of the things that's really so cool about this is he was he was there, and I think one of the things about the three uh, accounts we have, we all found him to be very, you know, joyful. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the place he loved doing the thing he loves. You know. And the fact that he was there was, was kind of a cool thing, you know, to me. So 
So aside from this experience, like, have you ever had any encounters of a similar nature in the past? Um, not, not like this specifically. Um, that's not really completely true. I had a, when I was, when I was, I was very close with my great grandmother and she died when I was four and I've never had any kind of problem with, with death because what I've always said is like, you know, my great grandmother, let me know. It was cool. And I did see her in a field waving at me when I was a little kid, when I was driving in a car with my mom. And it wasn't just, there was not, again, it wasn't for me, that wasn't a weird thing at all. It was just, she was there and it was okay. Like that was the message. She was waving and smiling and it was okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. But, and then there's, uh, the wind thing is weird too. That's the other thing that I would say was like really weird that I experienced that I don't know how to explain. <laughs> yeah, was... Um, and, and what's interesting about that is that that phenomenon made its way into an X-Files novel <laughs> taking place in the yeah. area where we experienced it. Right, right. That's, that's a weird one. Yeah. Now, I've had a lot of weird experiences, too, but all of them are kind of in that level of even the one, the thing with my great-grandmother, I was four or five at the time. So I could tell you maybe that didn't happen, right? Um, the and the wind thing, I was we were out there, we heard this thing that was it was making me and my buddy Ron Dancer were on his tennis court and we were like ducking from this thing we couldn't see but hearing like right over the thing. I can tell you, I don't know, that might have been some kind of wind thing happening, right? This one, I'm like hands down, I saw this guy after he died in a full body apparition, yeah, very seeming corporeal, like. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's just, it's an amazing story. And like yeah. I said, having been on, you know, probably a couple of hundred investigations mm-hmm. at this point, I, I've never come across anything like that. I've seen, I've come yeah. across every other kind of phenomenon you could, you've, you've heard right. of. And I would let you tell me that about the, the experience with my great grandmother, you know, like, well, maybe you were imagining that as a kid. And I'd be like, yeah, maybe I was, you know, but this John Fisher one, I'm like, nah, dude, I saw him. Yeah. You know, so now, you had also uh, mentioned John Fisher's daughter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, did you tell her about this experience? or? Yes. Uh, I communicated with her after uh, I put the post up on the uh, Pennsylvania Renaissance Fair thing. Yeah. Gotcha. And um, her, what she was, what she expressed was just how awesome he was and how it was cool that people were talking about him. So did you know, you... I don't think, I didn't get the impression that she had seen him. Okay. Did you get the sense that, you know, that she believes your story? Yeah. And I think she'd heard this kind of thing before. Oh. Mm-hmm. Like with, with her father or with other people? With people about her father from the fair. Oh, so, so other people had told their story to her already. That was the impression I got that she wasn't surprised. And like I said, from the time when it happened, it seemed to me like... A bunch of people at the time i wasn't trying to like collect information but you know i remember hearing people saying that you know like a lot of people had seen him after he died i'm curious if if his daughter had ended up seeing him at some point i just i just spoke to her recently and i i didn't get the impression that she did okay this is very recent so interesting yeah she may i mean i think she would have yeah, since we were talking about the podcast is, um, you know, when I, when I communicate with her. Okay. Now, all these people that saw John Fisher, you, you know, yourself not included because we already got into your relationship with him, but these other people, would you say that they were close with him or they had the same relationship type dynamic that you had with him? I, I don't. I think Sherry was a little closer with him than I was, but as I understood, the main conversation they would have was he would, you know, ask her in the morning about her husband who was out in New Mexico kind of thing. I don't think they were, you know, crazy close. And I think it was a lot of people who were used to seeing him around fair. Hmm. Um, I don't know who the closest people were to him who saw him or whatever, but. Okay. Yeah. All right. 
Well, that, you know, again, just asking these questions because, you know, I, Mike, I'm curious to get your take on this, but like, I'm thinking why these people at the Renaissance Fair are seeing this guy if they're not really that close with him? Like, what's the, you know, I mean, and the only thing I can, you know, the only conclusion or somewhat of a conclusion I can draw is possibly this consciousness thing, right? Where everybody has this strong impression of this guy. And maybe that is what somehow manifests in his place. I, again, just you know, hypothetically speaking. Yeah, I think I think the consciousness definitely plays a role in in all of this in a yeah. in one level or another, one form or another. Because because I've just to it may sound initially off topic, but it I'll I'll draw the connection I'm trying to draw is that you know I've been on several cases where certain individuals that were apprehensive or, or even in some cases afraid of certain cases or certain areas we were going into, those people would almost always have a negative experience once we were in the, in the space. Whereas Beth and myself would have a neutral frame of mind, we're just gonna go there, we're gonna see what happens, blah, 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 or a positive frame of mind or whatever. That seems to play a role in how things manifest two people and i've been in a room with several investigators you know and in this one case i'm thinking of were more experienced than myself and but we're had but we're very apprehensive about this location because of its reputation and i kind of heard the same thing but i had a completely different experience and I, I i just stayed completely neutral about it with my frame of mind and and, and our individual experiences in the same space reflected that. And so I just, I can't help feeling like the consciousness 100% plays a role, your state of mind plays a role. And it ties into what you were saying about how everyone that saw him there, just that was, that was the day-to-day experience, the day-to-day interaction you had with him. And that was the day and time of the day mm-hmm. you would you would see him there and you, you had the same interactions yeah. you always have. And that's the, and once you realize he was dead, yeah, it's he's gone. Those people who were really close to him would also know that. Correct. You know, I do actually I found them her name was JC, was the daughter. She I don't think had heard any of these things because she said uh, but one thing she did say that was interesting is uh, some of his ashes are on the hill you know, where I saw him in a coffee can. And then I told her my experience of it. And she said, thank you for sharing. I had not heard this. Wow. Before. So some of his physical form that is left his is ashes, actually there. Yeah. Or at, on the hill where, wow. where I saw him. Interesting. That was, like I said, that was his spot. So. Wow. That is remarkable. That just adds a whole nother layer to this mystery. <laughs> Interesting. So I guess be careful where you sprinkle ashes. <laughs> um, wow. And there's, a, wow, that's, a, that, I, see, that's the thing with these experiences, TJ, like there's, there are so many different layers and it just brings up more questions, no answers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it is well, it's too- also, it's, it's partially too, you know, the way where our, our memory works, you know, all these, these little details, you know, are, you know, I don't, I don't, we were all talking and we talked about it, you know, I know we talked about it quite a bit, you know, at the time at the fair, but I don't, I don't remember exactly what those conversations were or who they were with. Sherry was the only one I remember, you know, uh, definitively telling me, you know, that story and confirming it but i definitely know there were you know that was like i said the kind of story was that you know a lot of people were were seeing him around you know yeah so yeah this is this is a remarkable story and i like to you know do some follow-up with this as as much as we can and maybe you know get in touch with some of those other witnesses again get their first-hand testimony because it just it helps strengthen your experience right It, it just helps validate it it helps you know, confirm it. I mean, there's, there are so many experiences out there that people have. And the, the cool thing about you deciding to share your story and coming on the air and sharing it with the world is it empowers other people to step forward, to know that they are not alone as crazy as, as it may seem in the experience, <laughs> they may, they may have a very similar experience to somebody else. 
but how would they know if they don't hear your tale? Right. Right. Um, and, and how would you have known about this? Had you not heard about it from other people and, uh, how would they have heard about it? Had they not heard from you, you know, and so on and so forth. Um, so I just want to thank you for, uh, for coming on and, and talking about this with us this is a remarkable case. Yeah. Anytime. Like I said, I'll try to reach out to some of those people too. Um, you know, see about the picture thing, which I think would be really cool. That would be That's interesting. a great idea, see actually. Some, yeah. See some pictures. And there's so many pictures taken around there all the time. Like, I would love to see a picture of Francis Drake talking to a tree while a bunch of guests just look at him <laughs> like, like, what the hell what is going on? <laughs> I want to see that one too. <laughs> Oh my goodness. That would be amazing. Wow. Well, hey, it's a strange world we live in and strange things happen all the time. Um, It's true. More (laughs) things in heaven and earth. Yeah. That's right. Well, thanks again, TJ. I I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, buddy. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. It was good to talk about. In December of 2022, I followed up with TJ on the case to see if there were any new developments. More specifically, if there were any images from the professional photographer who may have captured John or the general vicinity where he was seen shortly after his death. Now, I was told that the photographer did not have any photos of that area at that time. But TJ also noted that he had found a brief entry in his journal about seeing John Fisher, but it wasn't very useful. Now, if you were present at the Pennsylvania Renaissance Fair in the summer of 2008, or recall interacting with an actor selling baby dragons, please send an email to info at normalparanormal.org. You could have additional information that helps us better understand this event and grasp these mysteries. If you have an unrelated but still interesting story to share, please visit normalparanormal.org and click the contact form. Listening to Terror Signals with Justin Bamforth and presented by Normal Paranormal. For more on this show and other topics of high strangeness, please visit normalparanormal.org or visit the program website at terrorsignals.com.